It's time for This Week in the Big East, a comprehensive look at the teams, coaches, players, and the story tradition of the Big East Conference. Here are your hosts, longtime conference play-by-play announcer John Rook and Big East author and sports writer Kevin McNamara. Welcome to This Week in the Big East, our weekly look at the teams, coaches, players, and all of the stories from the schools of the Big East Conference. Once again, I'm John Rook with Providence Journal beat writer, Basketball Times contributor, author Kevin McNamara. Now it looks like we've got a race on our hands. Seton Hall maintains a one-game lead with two full weeks remaining in the regular season. As Creighton charges hard on the outside, but Creighton has three wins against top 25 teams on the road this month. Goodness gracious. Don't forget Villanova, though. Only another half game out. And would you believe it, after a week on the outs, Providence seems to have played its way back into the ends of postseason contention, currently in fourth place. Kevin, it's been some kind of season already. It certainly has. We have a confusion at the top. Uh, Seton Hall snapped a two-game losing streak with a last-second buzzer beater, right. which we'll get into. Right. Uh, Villanova, you can never count Villanova out. Creighton has won eight of nine. They're the hottest team in the league, one of the hottest teams in the country. Uh, I think we know that all of those teams will be in the NCAA tournament. And now on the outside, Xavier and maybe Providence have a chance to make a push at the NCAA tournament. And, John, that would be seven Big East teams that could be knocking on the door in the NCAAs. Uh, There's an awful lot left to play out. Well, again, Seton Hall, Creighton, Villanova, they're all anchored at the top. Staying there, however, may be another matter entirely. Mad scramble for positioning right now from fourth to seventh with five teams jockeying for positions separated by a game and a half. Surging Providence has a slight edge over Marquette today for fourth as they go into the weekend. They'll battle this Saturday at the Dunkin' Donuts Center while Butler and Xavier will wrestle potentially to stay out of a Wednesday first-round Big East tournament game. Georgetown is not out of this either. But at 5-8, and eight, the Hoyas have a killer stretch in front of them to wrap up the regular season. St. John's and DePaul, they're on the outside looking in, but they certainly might mess up someone else's garden party before we're all through. Woof! <laughs> Where do you start? But I don't know. I, I think the one thing that jumps out at me, John, is uh, there will be one team playing on opening night of the Big East tournament, the seventh place team. That'll have a legit shot at the NCAAs. Bingo. How many other leagues in the country does that happen? I don't know. The, 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 the quote, play-in games. Well, right. guess not. They're, they're play-in games not only for the Big East tournament, but for the NCAA tournament. Right. That doesn't happen anywhere else. Wow. The metric update at midweek and the net ranking, uh, all 10 Big East teams ranked in the top 74 out of the 353 Division One programs. Half of the league still five teams ranked in the top 23 of the net. Big East also remains the top conference in the country in league RPI. All right, here's this week's Big East headlines. Seton Hall lost at Providence last weekend, giving the Pirates a second straight league loss after winning 10 of 11. Offense has sputtered, defense not as consistent, and yet the Pirates found a way to push past Butler in Newark this week. Alessandro Mamukalishvili shot as time expired. Sometimes the good teams just, they also need a little good fortune at the end. Creighton is probably one team that no one willingly wants to face right now unless the schedule tells you you have to. Blue Jays have won four straight, eight of the last nine, including an impressive 73-65 win at Marquette this week. Creighton is in a very good spot with three of the last four league games in Omaha. Also in a good spot right now, Providence. 
although you could argue the Friars have been in a tough spot all season to this point. Providence has won four of six, including a road win this week at Georgetown to sweep the Hoyas this season and also finishes with three games at home in their final four. Did someone say, what about Marquette? (laughs) The Golden Eagles begin the week ranked 19th nationally. They lost at home to Creighton, but they have a chance to make amends at Providence this weekend. Butler? The Bulldogs have lost three of four after the heartbreaker at Seton Hall, and salvation this week may lie in Omaha. Kevin, do you care to pick a horse as they round the turn and get ready for the home stretch here? Well, I'm very interested to see what Creighton can do the rest of the way. Creighton's a funny team. You know, John, uh, just a couple weeks ago, they, they only scored 56 points uh, at Providence. Well, guess what? It's the only bad game they've had in nine. They've won eight of nine. You're not supposed to win eight of nine in this Big East because it is so balanced. And, you know, we've seen Villanova slip up with a multiple-game losing streak. Same thing. With Seton Hall, same thing with Butler. Well, Creighton has avoided those. And maybe, at the end of the day, Creighton may be the highest-seeded Big East team in the NCAA tournament. Why is Creighton avoiding uh, the pitfalls that seem to have uh, hit everybody else? Well, I think that they've played with enough offensive consistency that the other teams have lacked. Right. Uh, you know, d- and, you know, how about this stat? Everyone says, well, Creighton, you know, they shoot the three well. We know that. You know, Tyshawn Alexander, Zagorowski, et cetera. They're fourth in the league in field goal percentage defense third in the league in three-point percentage defense. And Tyshawn Alexander metrically is one of the best defenders in the country. Well, ask Marcus Howard. Uh, just the other night in Seton Hall, in uh, Creighton's 73-65 win, Howard, you know, first of all, he got knocked down to the floor hard a couple times, but he was only four for 14, 13 points, and Tyshawn was... Uh, wow. He got to know Tyshawn very well that night. Yeah, uh, and probably we'll get to know him again at some point in time before we're all done. Hey, if you've got your own questions about your team or the others you follow, send them to us. Hit us up on Twitter with a hashtag TWITBE, TWITB. Thanks to our Westwood One affiliates, as always, for tuning in to check us out. Thanks for catching us on SiriusXM. If you're in the podcast, we do those too. Thanks for listening. Thanks for downloading on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify all our podcast partners this season. Make sure you leave us a review. You can also listen online, BigEast.com and WestwoodOneSports.com are the addresses. This week, we're going to take a sneak peek ahead at preparations for the Big East Tournament at Madison Square Garden next month. Plus, we'll get a heat check from one of the noted national bracketologists on who's in and who's not into March Madness just yet. But leading off, a former star in the Big East has his hands full, trying to lead his alma mater into the postseason with a shorthanded roster. Think there are any Georgetown fans who wish Patrick Ewing had some eligibility left? Probably. The head Hoya joins us next, this week in the Big East. Coming up this week in the Big East Spotlight. Every day, the NCAA is working across campuses to keep college athletes safe by committing research and resources to their physical and mental health. Physical and mental health includes, but is not limited to, education, research initiatives and new policies on concussion, promoting best practices around cardiac health, sexual violence prevention and education, mental health resources and training, alcohol and other drug abuse prevention, guidance on nutrition, sleep and performance, creating safety guidelines for all NCAA sports, support of the American development model to prevent overuse injuries. And that's just what we could fit within 30 seconds. Visit NCAA.org slash well-being to learn more. Big East Spotlight. Blair and Mosley doing the best they can. Wahab saved that one beautifully. Blair for three. Wow. Play the nylon song and show him the triple. 
Georgetown has a lot of talent and ability, and that has shown itself throughout much of this season. But the Hoyas haven't been able to play lately with a full deck of cards, which means all hands have been on deck playing the hand they've been dealt. Former Georgetown great current head coach Patrick Ewing joins us this week in the Big East. Patrick, what, what's the game taught you recently when you don't have everyone available and yet you still have to go out and, and play the next game? What have your players taught you maybe in this process perhaps? The, the thing that they, they have taught me is that they, they have a strong belief in themselves. Uh, they believe in the things that we're trying to accomplish here. They could have easily uh, folded up and uh, gave up uh, with one, the, 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 the mass exodus that we had. And also the fact that our two best players uh, have been sidelined for the last three weeks. They they continue to fight. They continue to scratch, claw, and dig. Continue to work. You know, work out of this bad situation that we're in. Patrick, you have you have, you have four guys who are basically playing the entire game with with a couple little foul issues could throw you off. I'm sure you you wanted you always wanted to play as many minutes as you physically could uh, possible. W- what do you tell them when they you know that they have to go as as many as 40 minutes game after game? Be smart. You know you still have to you still have to play hard. You still have to go out there and, and do uh, play to the best of your abilities. Uh, try not to pick up stupid fouls and uh, just continue to com- continue to compete. Has there been anyone who has kind of risen to the to the forefront for you in, in this in these trying times? Well, Jacob Moses has been uh, uh, our MVP to me the whole year, but also Javon Blair with with Mac with Mac McClung uh, being out, he's also stepped up and has been having a fantastic rebirth, I should say. And also Terrell Allen, he's been you know been stellar for us, uh, making shots, making plays. Uh, and just uh, being a leader out there. I wanted to ask you, Patrick, about Terrell Allen specifically, because as a grad transfer, I mean, as you are well aware, the NCAA is getting ready perhaps to throw everybody a little bit of a curveball, so to speak, uh, with the transfer rule next year. Number one, how do you feel about transfers being immediately eligible, and what would you have done if you didn't have Terrell Allen? You know, I'm not sure if uh, I like the fact that you can transfer and play right away. Uh, I think it's going to only make it... Uh, uh, like the wild, wild west in terms of guys picking guys off each other's teams. Yep. But you know, uh, Terrell Allen, he's a grad, he's a grad transfer. He he went, he's already graduated, and he's here. He's a he's a grad student now. I think that's fine. Where would we be without him? Uh, nowhere. He's <laughs> he's been a godsend. He's come in. He's taken over a leader. Uh, he's been a leader for us. He's been a stellar uh, player on the floor. Uh, he's helped us to win uh, numerous ball games already. So it, without him, we wouldn't be as good as we are, especially after those guys left. Uh, Patrick, I know an awful lot was written when you came to Georgetown about your time in the NBA, transitioning from a great, great player to a coach. I'm wondering, would there be any other college job that you would have been interested in besides Georgetown, or was your focus at that point an NBA head coaching job? My focus definitely was as to be an NBA coach, and uh, Georgetown was the the only uh, college job that uh, I would have taken. Uh, and which you know, I'm, I'm I'm happy that I have the the opportunity to be here. Uh, I think it's uh, great that I've I've come full circle. Um, I'm back in, in a place that I have nothing but fond memories of. Uh, you know, a, a place where. Uh, 
I thought that was the best four years of, of my of my of my life. Uh, and now I can do the same thing for the 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 next generation that Coach Thompson did for my generation. And I think that's something that that is special. Well, Patrick, we're both we're both old men. We go we go way back. We we go back to when you were playing. So we do want to flash back. This is believe it or not, the forty first. Big East basketball season. I'm curious when you go into, you know, say the Providence Civic Center, the old Providence Civic Center, or, or, or maybe some other gyms that you actually played in as a Hoya. Do you walk in and you kind of pinch yourself? No, not really. I mean, uh, Providence Civic Center. I've been uh, it's called what the Dunk the Dunkin' Donuts now. Yeah, right. right. It's, you know, I've been going in there since I was in high school. Uh, a uh, young man, two young men from my high school played at Providence, so I used to go up there to their games all, all the time. Um, so, you know, the Garden, of course, I, I've had a lot of years of, uh, playing in the Garden uh, from from being in college and then with the Knicks. So, um, I'm not. It's not that I pinch myself, but I, I just think it's it's. I'm just cherishing or relishing the opportunity to to be uh, to be a head coach and to be a head coach at my alma mater. What has this experience as a coach then taught you about the game and the way that it has changed over the last 35 years or so? Well, I, I've been blessed because I, it's not like I just started coaching. I've been coaching uh, for a lot of years, you know, 17 years, uh, you know, as an assistant in the NBA and now now here uh, for three years coaching. So I've seen the game change. I've been a part of the change. You know, everything starts uh, in the NBA, and then it took us down. So, you know, I was part of uh, some great coaching uh, staff that have been, uh, you know, that also had to implement this, these changes. So the game has changed. The NBA wanted free-flowing and ball and, ball and, and body movement. Um, they, they're trying to, you know, make it a, a, a positionless game, uh, but you know, I think once you get guys like Embiid and uh, the, the the true the true great bigs, you know, buying into what you know what they want to buy into or to make it back the way it once was, I think the game will will change back. All right, now I can't believe I'm asking Patrick Ewing to to act like an old man, but I, I, I'm curious, what do you think about today's young guys? You know, the, the 19 and 18 year olds that you have to recruit, uh, are they do they respond well? Are they difficult to reach? Is is it uh, has nothing changed at all? Well, I mean, I think people uh, humans are humans. You know, we're creatures of habit. You know, it's all depending on on uh, the person, the family, the background. We're all we're all different, but we all uh, are from the same. Uh, most of the kids that that you recruit, uh, I recruit, are uh, from uh, you know underprivileged areas or. So you know, I, and I, I was from that, that that those areas. So naturally, I can deal with them. I can uh, relate to them. I can relate to the things that they have gone through, and the things that they're gonna uh, they're trying to go uh, go through. I've already been and already done that. I've, I've I've been to the mountaintop, and that's what they're trying to get to. They're trying to live that life that I lived. So what better what better person to educate them and to teach them about what they're trying to accomplish than somebody who's uh, who's, who's been there? 
That's a good recruiting pitch. I'm ready to play, Coach. <laughs> I'm going to send you the letter. <laughs> okay. Well, you, you, after you see me play, you, you'll, you'll take that back. Uh, final one for you here. Three of your last five games are going to be on the road in this Big East Conference. I mean, it's pretty clear you need to right. win them all or win whatever you can. But can you just for a moment compare what this grind has been like to when you were playing? As a player, you don't, you, you don't think of the, the stress or the – the the toll that it takes on your coach, and I've been I've been right now I've I've been in both shoes. I've been as a player where you know I'm out there you know the grind of getting your 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 body your mind prepared for for that battle, but as a coach it's a lot different. You're not out there physically, uh, you know, doing the things that you need to to do, to do to help the team to win. You're trying to do it with your mind, so it's it's a different stress level and. I do have to say, at the end of the night, I feel like I played like about five or six games in one night. <laughs> I, 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 my body is tired. I'm sore. I'm super, there have been nights I'm sweating. I'm ripping my tie off. Uh, so it's it, it, it's a great feeling. You know, it's a great feeling. I, I'm proud to be here. I'm happy for my, my, my job. And, you know, I, I just want to make the best out of this situation. That's Georgetown's head coach, Patrick Ewing. Next up, who's hot? Who's had the hot hands, and who should you watch for this weekend and beyond? Next, this week in the Big East. Coming up, who's hot? This week in the Big East. The Providence College experience, rooted in academic excellence, shared values, and an uncommon sense of community is both unique and exceptional. A premier Catholic liberal arts college, PC, has 3,900 undergraduate students, a dynamic, engaged community, and a great location just minutes from downtown Providence. With pride in its heritage, Providence College looks forward to a bright future. Learn more at providence.edu. Who's hot? White has it out front. Now curls to the left off the screen. Looks in the left corner. Diallo's going to shoot for three. And get it! Oh, my goodness. Alvin's got two three-pointers in this game. Big three right there in the corner. Wide open, he knocks it down. Huge momentum swing. Friars up three. Their largest lead of the game over 21st-ranked Creighton. Welcome back to This Week in the Big East. John Rook with Kevin McNamara. Weekly honors around the Big East Conference. The player of the week is Alpha Diallo of Providence. The senior averaged 27 points and 13 and a half rebounds, shot 63% from the field, 100% from three-point range, and 9 of 11 from the free throw line. Uh, Friar fans might wonder, Kevin, what got into Alpha Diallo? Fans around the league might wonder, oh, we've been waiting for this all year. He's certainly the player of the week, and it's the first player of the week at Providence in like two seasons, uh, which is Try almost four, almost four. Yeah. Okay. Rodney Bullock, I believe, was the last one. So uh, it took an extra special Rodney uh, Alpha Diallo uh, week. You know, it, it, he's a really interesting uh, test case, John, because he came in as a all league pick. Yeah. Uh, in a great summer, he really played well for the Pan Am team uh, down in. Um, Peru. In, in Peru. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, boy, he's been up and down and, and probably more inconsistent than he has at any time in a pretty consistent career. Kind of clashed with Ed Cooley a little bit during a game, uh, a home loss to Villanova, where he didn't play much at all in the second half, a season-low 14 minutes, no points. Uh, didn't start the next game at Butler that Providence won, so that's a good teaching uh, a point teaching for, for moment, Ed yeah. Cooley. Mm-hmm. And to his credit, he's responded well uh, and also played very well in a win at Georgetown. And if the Friars are going to make a push to the NCAA tournament, 
that consistency that's been lacking is going to have to be there for Alpha. He's also over 1,500 points for his college career, so very quietly he's been an effective scorer. For four years, he's been a really vital part for teams that have been to two NCAA tournaments and an NIT and will be a postseason team again this year. So certainly he's enjoyed a very good career at Providence. Uh, Five seniors for the Friars. Uh, He needs to be the, the top dog the rest of the way. Big East Freshman of the Week, once again, Jeremiah Robinson Earl of Villanova, 17 points, 11 rebounds in a win against Marquette, followed that up with 10 points and five boards in a win at Temple in a Big Five non-league game, final non-conference regular season game of the Big East this year. Robinson Earl is the Big East top freshman scorer and rebounder, 11 points, 9.5 rebounds per game. Big East Freshman of the Year. It's over. The race is over. Uh, As a matter of fact, he has a chance to win the Rookie of the Week award more than anybody else. So uh, when you had- consider all the players that have come through this league now in 41 years, that's extraordinary. That's impressive. All right, Big East honor roll this week. Got some good names on it as always. Tyshawn Alexander of Creighton, 21 points, four and a half assists, perfect week for the Blue Jays. Shot 52 percent from the field, 54 percent from three. Terrell Allen, Georgetown graduate senior, tied his career high with 22 in a win at Butler. So impressive though that Georgetown did that without either. Omer Yurt 7 or Mac McClung on the floor that day. you got to give Georgetown all the credit in the world. I, I think they'll probably tie her out. Uh, we saw some of that in their loss to Providence. But, uh, you know, when you ask Blair, Allen, Pickett, and Mosley to play 40, if you can do it, right. that's really impressive. Marcus Howard of Marquette, speaking of, became the Big East all-time career scorer, as we mentioned last week, 24 points in a loss at Villanova. L.J. Figueroa, St. John's, had a game-high 19 with four steals in a good, solid home win against Providence. They really uh, uh, they put the offensive numbers up with 80 points that night. And Colin Gillespie of Villanova, talk about underrated, maybe uh, unsung players. In the perfect week for Nova, Gillespie, 22.5 points, 4.5 assists, shot 50% from the field and from three-point range. Gillespie's really the straw that makes that stirs that drink up, I think, in Wildcat country. Well, it's funny. Someone asked me the other day, they said, who's all league in the Big East? And we'll get into this later in the in the year. And they, they left off Colin Gillespie. They put Sadiq Bey from uh, Villanova on. I'm like, whoa, whoa, time out. Maybe two guys from Villanova, but Colin Gillespie is one of the five best guys in this league, period. And he is uh, Villanova's leader. He's been Villanova's leader for two years now. Uh, scoring better than he ever has, had a big night with 29 against Temple. Uh, he just does everything you want in a, in a leader and a point guard. All right, how about the home team update? Home team's 37-30, and 30, a 55% winning percentage when guarding the yard or guarding the floor, as the case may be. So what does that tell you? It tells you certainly that uh, road teams have an opportunity still right down to the very end. All right, it's a big task entertaining the masses as the Big East has come tournament time every year at Madison Square Garden. We're still three weeks away from that madness, but the anticipation beginning to build with a former coach and a current administrator overseeing this process, ready to put on a show. Senior Associate Commissioner Stu Jackson joins us next, this week in the Big East. Coming up next, the Big East Focus. What does it take to change your career, to make a better life for you and your family, to get to the next level in your career, or to go from a job to a career. It takes inspiration. It requires a university with a national reputation and more than 130 years of preparing students to succeed. Marquette University. Be inspired with graduate programs that help you find a rewarding career and a greater purpose. Our courses are on campus and online. 
Flexible formats are designed for busy people. You'll be inspired by the experience, and in doing so, you'll be an inspiration to others. We know achieving your goals, changing direction, and finding a deeper purpose are hard work. At Marquette, you'll learn from experienced, caring faculty and leave prepared to get to your next level, a graduate who will not only stand apart, but be sought after. Get started at marquette.edu slash grad. Be inspired. Marquette University. Be the difference. Big East Focus. McKnight will inbound. Pow. They throw it up the mama. to the corner. They put the decoys in place. And Mamu, who has struggled this year with injuries, comes out and does his thing. Wow. That is unbelievable. Welcome back to This Week in the Big East. John Rook, Kevin McNamara. You know, he's coached in this league and others. He's advised in this league. We're certain he's also been a shoulder to cry on in this league and a good listener to many of the coaches in the Big East. He's also sort of stepped into the role as ringmaster for the circus that's about to begin in a few weeks inside the world's most famous arena. Big East Senior Associate Commissioner Stu Jackson joins us this week in the Big East. Stu, we can all feel the anticipation building. What's the current status of preparations, ticket sales, things of that nature that maybe you could fill us in on right now? Well, preparation is, and, and thanks for asking, is that I think we're headed for uh, our best Big East uh, tournament at Madison Square Garden since re- reconfiguration, um, you know, six years ago. I, 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 and the reason I say that is that it's no secret to people that follow Big East that we're having one of our most competitive seasons uh, that we've had in recent memory. Uh, and then what's been building over the past several years at Madison Square Garden during the tournament time is a, just a revitalization uh, that has been complete of what this tournament has met over the past four years. It's great competition, great excitement. You know, being there in person, you can cut the electricity with a knife. And we've seen that in past years, and this year is going to be no different. We fully expect that we're going to be sold through. Uh, on all of our sessions um, come March 11th through the 14th. And that's going to make uh, for, again, an exciting atmosphere. Uh, there's going to be a lot of enjoyment and entertainment by fans that, uh, that attend. But more importantly, I think the competition, uh, in part because of the fans and because of the garden, is just going to be at an all-time high. And, and quite frankly, I can't wait. Stu, uh, just to follow up on that, I- I've had fans around the league ask me about Big East Tournament tickets and that it's become much more of a challenge than than it was you know seven years ago you guys have sold out most of the sessions the last two years the semifinals and finals have become very tight uh can you speak to that challenge of satisfying all 10 schools i'm sure it's quite difficult now yeah it is you know the schools uh each school is required to purchase a certain block of ticket tickets and um some of those uh, extra tickets are held in reserve in the event that schools need extra tickets because either you know they advance in the tournament by way of example and need more as the tournament goes on, or if just before the tournament there's anticipation that they'll travel a little bit heavily than they anticipated. So we're prepared for that. But, you know, I think for someone that's just trying to buy tickets on the open market, uh, yes, it is a tough ticket, and that's the good news. Uh, But the other good news is you can still get tickets available in the secondary market if you chose to go that route. 
uh, and they'll be able to see a few stars this year. You uh, <laughs> probably have, well, I think four or five of the very best guards in the country and maybe uh, the best two, and certainly two All-America candidates in Miles Powell and, and Marcus Howard, two seniors who have really enjoyed just great seasons. I'm sure from uh, the conference office point of view, you always want someone to sell, and you certainly have that this year. Without question, and it was a big storyline in the preseason, the fact that we had two preseason All-Americans and Marcus Howard from Marquette and Miles Powell you know, from Seton Hall. And they've both delivered in terms of their own team's performance and in terms of their individual performance. But, you know, along the way, we've had some other outstanding players also emerge that I think will be, you know, considered for All-American honors when you look at someone like the way Creighton has performed and Tyshawn Alexander and his emergence, the fact that uh, Butler's had an outstanding season and, you know, the country's waking up to Kamar Baldwin and they understand what a terrific player he is has become. So, yes, there are going to be some good players. Uh, you know, I think one of the other reasons the tournament will be competitive is because a lot of our teams are experienced. They're older. We have a lot of seniors uh, in the conference uh, this year, and we talked about that in the beginning of the year, that each team on average uh, on average, uh, returned three-and-a-half starters per team. And all of that makes for a very high-level performance. It's going to make for a very highly competitive Big East tournament. And along the way, you're going to not only be inter- entertained, but entertained by some of the best players uh, in the country uh, this year in college basketball. Big East Senior Associate Commissioner Stu Jackson with us here this week in the Big East. You've seen a lot of basketball, as we talked about, Stu. You've been a part of a lot of big games, big programs, big events. What has surprised you this year in this conference? Has there been anything that you just literally looked at and you said, wow? Well, I don't know that I say, have said wow, but it's been what's been delivered has been expected in that we've got a lot of close games. Uh, I think for us, I didn't anticipate that, you know, right now we would have uh, upwards to uh, six teams in the top 40, uh, you know, in uh, NCAA evaluation in terms of the net. Uh, I didn't foresee that. But it really speaks to the strength of our conference. It speaks to how our conference really performed during the non-conference portion of the season. And I didn't really see that coming. But if you just look at some of the surprises in our conference this year, I mean, who would have anticipated that Creighton would be in second place in the Big East at this juncture in the season? Who would have anticipated that Butler has, you know, the second most quad one or or high-profile wins in the country next to Baylor and Kansas? I don't think any of us could have predicted either one of those two teams performing at the level that they have. Stu, at this time of the year, you know, you look up and you're like, wow, Villanova just lost a couple of games in a row. Uh, Seton Hall just lost a couple of games in a row. It, it, it's hard to sail through the Big East this year. How do you think that could affect the teams when it comes time to seed them for the NCAA tournament? Well, it's interesting. I, I do think on uh, with the metrics, um, and as I mentioned before, the key tool there is the net number per team or that NCAA evaluation tool ranking. I think we're going to fare pretty well uh, in terms of seeding. And, you know, I, I, I say this to Val Ackerman, our commissioner, all the time. I'm not as concerned about how many teams we get in the tournament. I'm more concerned about where our seeding is. So by way of example, if we have, you know, five teams that are seeded, you know, anywhere from two to six, that's better 
you know, it could be better, could be better than having seven teams make the tournament because at the end of the day, we potentially could earn more units for the conference slash more revenue for the conference when you have higher seeds and they're able to advance, sure. particularly into that second weekend. So, you know, the fact that you may have had a seventh team that's like a 12th seed or, you know, perhaps they don't make it, yeah, you're unhappy about that, but you're going to be really more pleased if you have five teams, you know, a seeded two through six that have an opportunity to move into that second weekend of the big dance. And for the conference overall, to me, that's a lot better. Stu, there's, uh, you know, an issue that's uh, going to be prevalent within men's athletics, women's athletics, nationally over the course of the next year in terms of transfer rules. Stories out this week that, you know, leagues in the NCAA may end up uh, moving it along to the point for in the 2020-2021 academic year, uh, a player, a student athlete may have the right to go immediately, one time, without having to sit out a year. What's your thought on that? What do you feel like the Big East stance should be? Can you give us any indication about uh, what you guys are thinking and what the league uh, might be trying to offer themselves? You know, the, the, this new legislation potentially, uh, you can't really talk about it without looking at the backdrop, backdrop of a student-athlete wellness and the ability to have the freedom to move uh, from one school to the other. And certainly as the Big East, that, you know, if that legislation passes, that you can go from one school to the other without a year in residence, uh, of course we would support that. But, it, you know, on the other hand, my own personal feeling is, and I stress my own personal feeling is, is I think we, we really have it a little bit, you know, ass backwards, uh, and pardon my term, in that when you – and this is going to sound a little old school, so I'm going to qualify it ahead of time. When you allow, um, you know, anyone to just go from job to job, you know, you know, freedom, or you allow anyone to go from school to school in the NCA, you're really sending the message that um, your intent is not to complete what you started. And I think that that's unfortunate because I think one of the things that athletics teaches you is the per- perseverance to endure. So now, I'm a, you know, I'm a student athlete, I'm a swimmer, uh, you, know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a football player, I don't like my playing time, and instead of sort of like developing and getting better and earning playing time, I'll just go somewhere else where I know I'm going to play right away. I, to me, I'm not sure it sends the right message, but I get it that student athletes should have the freedom uh, to do, you know, what coaches are permitted to do, and that is move from school to school year to year based upon uh, what your needs are and what benefits you the most. But there's just a part of me personally that thinks that it's a little bit unfortunate. Now, the one fortunate thing is that within the Big East Conference, we have a, a hard, fast rule on intra-conference uh, transfers in that we don't allow a transfer from Seton Hall to go to Providence at any time, whether it be a year in residence or, you know, with this new rule, they can, you know, transfer right away. That's something we would not allow. And I think it's a real important rule that we maintain to keep the collegiality, you know, amongst the members in the Big East Conference. So I think that that will stay. Thanks to the Big East, Stu Jackson. If you don't know, maybe Mike DeCourcy knows. Mike not only covers college basketball on the national level for the Sporting News, he's Fox Sports' go-to guy where the brackets for March Madness are concerned. The latest on who's in and who's trying to get in next. This week in the Big East. Coming up next, the national perspective. 
As one of the country's leading Catholic universities, Seton Hall has been shaping students in mind, heart, and spirit since 1856. Today, the hall is home to nearly 10,000 students taught by world-class faculty. Our professors shine in the classroom, sharing their expertise with bright young minds who are hungry to learn. And as a member of the Big East, our student-athletes compete in one of the nation's top athletic conferences. Whether on the court or in the classroom, our students learn by doing. This is Seton Hall's moment. Be part of it. The National Perspective. Bay, Justin Moore, and Swider in a three from Gillespie from the left wing is good for the Wildcats. Confident shooter. Welcome back to This Week in the Big East. It's turning into a daily obsession for hoop fans across the country. This obsession with who's in, who's out, who's on the bubble, who has no shot at the NCAA tournament. Mike DeCourcy has covered the sport thoroughly as a columnist for the Sporting News for a long, long time. Currently resides as not just an analyst for Fox Sports, but also as the resident well, bracketologist, for lack of a better phrase, which means, well, he might know something. Mike joins us this week in the Big East. Hey, let's start with this first, Mike. Providence has been up and down with squeaky wheels more than a rickety roller coaster this season. Where are the Friars right now within your mix of Big East NCAA candidates? I don't know that I would concur with the description of them as a roller coaster unless you unless it was like a backwards roller coaster because they went down and then they went up. I mean, yep. Yep. They, they, if, if, you could, if you could somehow uh, wipe November and December off you know, from the minds of the selection committee, Providence would have no trouble at all getting in. But unfortunately, they did about as much damage to themselves in those two months, uh, not, not, not as much, more, much more than anybody that's even considered in this conversation. And how much do they have to do to overcome that it, from a volume standpoint in terms of defeats and then also the nature of their defeats? But they've played so well lately and beaten so many high-quality opponents that one can't dismiss them either. So, so th- that begs the question, Mike. I, people always say, you know, what's it going to take? I said, well, you've got to understand that there's 10 people on the committee, and I guess my question is, do you always kind of look at who is on the committee, where some committee members might be thinking? Do they penalize a team for bad losses versus great wins, or you look at a committee and say, well, quad one wins is going to carry the day with, with this particular person? You know, it's hard for me to scout that. It's hard for anybody to scout that. I mean, I know a lot of people on the committee, and I've known a lot of people over the years. And I've known people that I liked a lot, and I thought their brackets were bad. And, you know, guys that I knew uh, that, that, that were involved in, you know, people always talked about basketball people, more, more basketball people on the committee. And, you know, I like Lee Fowler a lot. I've known him for 20-some years since I went to Memphis, and he's a wonderful guy. He was a great basketball guy. He coached uh, at Memphis and eventually went into administration. And at the time, he was chair of the committee. Uh, he was the athletic director at, at NC State. And I thought the bracket, I can't remember what year it was, but I remember specifically thinking, you know, this, he's a basketball guy, and this is a bad bracket. And so I, it's hard to scout what each individual will value. And you sort of have, just have to consider it like a rolling average because they do have different people come on, different people come off. And so when you come down to the final teams, it, it is going to come to what that committee, what that committee views as valuable. In some years, it's pretty obvious what made it. Like I, I had some NC State fans were, 
were chirping to me a little bit this morning about, you know, how did Syracuse get in over us last year? You know, if you know, if they had, you know, we had better power rankings, we had fewer quad one or quad four losses, quad three losses. Uh, how did they get in? And so I went back and looked at their resume, and I, <laughs> the first thing that's on their resume is number one, beat Duke. <laughs> Duke. <laughs> not that hard to figure, fellas. It's not yeah. that hard. I mean, so you so there so you look at the at the things that have gotten people in in the past, and then every now and then there is an outlier like Tulsa. I think that was seventeen, might maybe six. I think it was twenty sixteen that Tulsa got in uh, with maybe the most inexplicable resume of all time. It was so, their case was so n- not a case that the players on the team went out to the mall that day and like were hanging out at Orange Julius or whatever because they never thought they had a chance to get in. And all of a sudden they're, they're sitting around do, doing whatever and their phones start to light up because they made it. They, even they didn't think they were getting in. No one's still been able to figure that out. So every now and then you get one of those that you just can't figure. I, I don't think that if Providence gets in, that it will be hard to figure how they got in because they have they they have six quad one wins at this point. That is that is more than anybody on the bubble even close. I mean, because I, I, I mentioned on uh, FS1 last night at the time I was discussing Georgetown, and they have five. And I looked at all the other teams in my most recent bracket that was released on Monday and averaged out the number of quad one wins that the other teams that would be considered bubble, that would have been anybody that was in a first four game or on the 11 line, anybody that sets the final six teams, I think. Mm -hmm. And they averaged about 2.5, 2.6 or so quad one wins. And there was Georgetown with almost twice as many, and now there's Providence with definitively twice as many. In the overall picture of this thing, does the Big East look like it's going to be headed for six, maybe seven teams in this tournament? Is that easy to say? Oh, I think six is almost a layup at this point. I mean, they can hurt. They can, you know, they can hurt themselves uh, and take themselves out. Uh, but Xavier has Monday night was big for Xavier. I mean, or is that Tuesday? Uh, the night they played St. John's, yeah. that was big uh, because they almost knocked themselves out there. Uh, especially on a night where they they played reasonably well in terms once they, it, on those occasions when they got the ball into their offense without turning it over, I mean they did good things, uh, but they just they just kept turning it over and giving St. John's opportunities to get back in the game. So winning that game put them in a really good spot, especially in a week when Georgetown was losing uh, and, and and Cincinnati was losing and some other. Uh, bubble teams like that were losing, so it solidified Xavier a little bit. And then Georgetown was was our seventh in the most recent bracket, and of course their loss to the Friars knocked them out. Right. I don't think that I, I don't think that fifth, like three games over 500 with the level of losses that Providence has is going to get them in. I, I, it's possible, I guess. It depends on you know uh, what you know what they what they do down the stretch. Uh, but at this point, they have to continue to win, and the great thing for them is any game they win is going to be huge, with the possible exception of the DePaul win, which at home for a tournament team at this stage of the game, you have to look at as a must-win. Mike, uh, lastly, you know I know you're in the Midwest. We're out in the East. The number one net team is San Diego State. Uh, some people are saying, obviously, a number one seed 
if they remain undefeated, if they lose a game, could they fall off your one line? Well, you know, I have to think about what they do, what the committee will do, because my charge is to try to match what they do. And it, it, with Duke losing last night, I would say no, uh, because Duke would have been the logical successor. Uh, Dayton would probably slip ahead of line, uh, in line uh, uh, ahead of Duke right now. I suppose Maryland possibly could do that as well, but Maryland has to continue to do what they're doing, which is almost not lose any games in, the, in a really challenging conference uh, because they started out the year uh, with, you know, with, with some, some struggles on the road, and, and they've it, it atoned for that lately, but even as strong as the Big Ten is, I'm not sure uh, that they could get in with more than one more loss. Uh, get, not get in, but get, get into the one line. Uh, so it, it, the question for San Diego State is if they lose, is there someone to, someone to take the place? Either Baylor or Kansas is losing on Saturday. I think Baylor can afford it more, but again, Duke's loss cushions the blow a little bit for Kansas if they can't get that win. That's Fox Sports bracketologist and the Sporting News, Mike DeCourcy. Don't like what he says? <laughs> Don't call us. Who's got next? There's always big games coming up, and none bigger than the ones that are, well, next. This week in the Big East. Coming up, who's got next? This week in the Big East. At Creighton University, students have more opportunities. With nationally recognized undergraduate, graduate, and professional programs, students engage in research, internships, gain clinical experience, serve others, and much more. At Creighton, students experience a transformative education guided by Jesuit Catholic values that prepares Creighton Blue Jays for lifelong success. Become a Blue Jay today at Creighton.edu. Who's got next this week in the Big East? Pass deflected, and it goes to Xavier, coming right to left. Kick it to the left wing. Here's a drive. Fremantle drops it mid lane. Jones kick out right of the circle. Marshall for three. Cashes in. Najee Marshall spearheading the comeback, and it's a six point game. John Rook, Kevin McNamara, this week in the Big East. Donnie Brook City, baby, starts this weekend. A couple of games that might just knock someone's socks off. Marquette travels to Providence. Villanova goes to Xavier. Huge opportunities for everyone involved here, but most certainly for the Friars and the Musketeers, Kev. Well, if the Big East is looking for six, seven bids in the tournament. Xavier and Providence need to step up on Saturday. Xavier, you know, it's probably the biggest home game of the season when Villanova comes to town. It doesn't get much bigger. And Xavier, although 40 in the net, in good position, they only have three quad one wins, John. So uh, getting one more huge one over Villanova would really help the Musketeers. And the Friars, you know, we've talked about them the entire show. They have six quad one wins, have a chance to make it seven with Marcus Howard and Marquette in town and also could be a season sweep of Marquette. That could come in handy Big East tournament time with the seating. Sunday, we'll see St. John's travel to Seton Hall for another grudge match. Butler also goes to Creighton. The Bulldogs need a win, but the Blue Jays, right now, they might need someone to show they can stop them. Well, Butler's an interesting team. Uh, Aaron Thompson's injuries here in the last month have really slowed the team down yeah. uh you know he was back for the seton hall game and you know they almost won <laughs> losing at the buzzer but yes uh they need a win wednesday georgetown goes to marquette fighting for a potential playoff survival and st john's will get another golden opportunity themselves they'll play at villanova our thanks this week to georgetown head coach patrick ewing Biggie Senior Associate Commissioner Stu Jackson and Fox Sports and Sporting News Mike DeCourcy for joining us. Thanks go out to our flagship radio stations, Creighton, Georgetown, and Providence for their assistance. 
Thanks to our producer, Kevin Collins, our associate producer, Matt Morrell, and thanks to all of the coaches and administrators at our Big East member institutions. For Kevin McNamara, I'm John Rook. Find us on Twitter, at JR Broadcaster, at Kevin McNamara 33 Be sure to use that hashtag, TwitMe. We'll be here again same time next week, this week in the Big East. Thanks for listening to This Week in the Big East. Special thanks to our member schools, Butler, Creighton, DePaul, Georgetown, Marquette, Providence, St. John's, Seton Hall, Villanova, and Xavier, as well as their athletic departments. This Week in the Big East is produced by Kevin Collins. The executive producers are John Paquette and Rick Gentile. Be sure to join us next week for the latest edition of This Week in the Big East.